This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I am absolutely loving my study in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read the uh, text this morning, and then I want to give you a little bit of a different intro. The text is actually going to be five of the verses from last Sunday. Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, will be in the first five verses, and you'll see them on the, your, on the screen if you don't have them uh, at, there at your seat. And you had the quickened, Paul says, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. I want to give, just by way of introduction today, um, a, somewhat of a clarification on some of the topics and things that I preached about and spoke on last week. Um, and that is simply this. Uh, well, before I get into my clarification, I believe one of the things that God has called us to as a church, that, called, that has called me to as a church, um, is to, here in the Bible Belt in the South, knowing what's going on, everybody claims a church, right? Have you met, you don't meet many people in the South, they're just like, hey, you go to church anywhere? They're like, nope, don't claim it, don't know anything. But everybody kind of claims a church. Um, I love having those conversations because I like, my follow-up question is, oh, what's the pastor's name over there at that church? And I love to see them like, blah, 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 and they start like stuttering and stammering. They're like, what, what preaching series are you guys in right now? You know, you start asking those kind of questions and they start stuttering and stammering a little bit. Um, but that's just the way it is in the Bible Belt. And I will say this, I have told people before, I believe one of the purposes that God sent me here to this area for is to rescue the gospel from Bible Belt Christianity. I hope you understand that there are a lot of people that sit in church that have a form of godliness but they are not truly believers. So let me start with that. That's my heart sometimes. And maybe it's because I was that person that was sitting in church every week with an unregenerate heart. I was that person that was playing the part outwardly. I had cleaned up the outward, the cup, but I had not yet allowed Jesus to clean me from the inside out and to truly become my Lord and Savior. With that being said, I want to be clear on what we must know and believe in order to be saved. Um, I had, I don't know, three, anywhere from three to five people ask me some clarifying questions after last week's sermon. So I want to clarify. My goal is never, ever to create confusion or to create doubt. Does everyone understand that statement? I never want to create confusion or create doubt. Here's what I want to do every time I stand up and I preach this book. And by the way, this book can be difficult sometimes to preach, right? It's difficult to read. Uh, imagine trying to form it into words to make it make sense to other people, right? My job is each week to get up here and to clarify any, any doubt or any confusion that you may have about what the Scripture says. Plain and simple. 
Um, so the gospel in its most simplistic form, according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is this. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, that's the gospel, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So that's the gospel we're talking about. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So let me say this. I want to make sure that I'm clear. I do not believe that you must understand all of the theological implications of the gospel in order to accept the truth of the gospel. Let me repeat that statement. I do not believe you have to understand all of the theological implications of the gospel in order to believe the gospel. For instance, that day you got married and you took those vows and you said something to the effect of in sickness and in health. You believed that to your core, but I believe we could have some people come up here today and testify that the implications of that takes on a whole new meaning as you go along in life. And you start to see that, okay? That's the same with the gospel. You can believe it, the truth of the gospel, and as you grow, you begin to accept and understand the implications of the gospel. This miracle called grace is so amazing that theologians will spend their entire lives trying to study it, and they will all die without a complete comprehension of grace. Okay, that's just the way it is. I believe that you must understand who that you are. You are a sinner. That you must believe that Christ died for your sin, that he was buried, and that he rose again in victory over sin. You must believe that. Done deal. Sealed. Over time, you will grow in your understanding of the different elements of the gospel. You'll understand words like justification, sanctification, regeneration, which we're going to talk about today. You're going to learn a little bit more about that. Imputation, sovereignty versus free will, and we could go on and on and on. And I can remember for me when things started becoming more and more clear, I began to understand more and more of the gospel. And it was a good seven years after I had my salvation experience that I feel like God really started opening up the gospel and me really trying to understand the implications of what happened to me seven years previously. And it's as if God was opening my heart to say, I want you to understand, Josh, what I did for you seven years ago. Like, keep reading, keep studying, keep learning, because I want you to understand what happened to you that day. And I will forever be learning, and I will forever be growing in the gospel. Never stop growing, never stop seeking, never stop pursuing a deeper understanding of who God is and what Jesus did for you. Because we here at Keystone Church don't believe that the gospel ends at amen. Does everybody understand that? The gospel doesn't end at amen. The gospel doesn't end when you get done reciting a prayer that someone led you in. That is just the beginning of your new life in the gospel. That is just, the, you are going to forever be understanding the gospel in different ways and different forms as you live. We've got some, uh, some folks that are getting married soon in our church, and we're going through uh, some premarital counseling and talking, and we were talking about this. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Shoo boy. Men, we got it rough. But you know what you learn? 
That's another layer of the gospel. So as a husband, I'm supposed to love my wife in the gospel, just like Jesus loved the church. And so that's my belief, and I wanted to clear that up this morning. I don't believe you have to understand everything A to Z about the gospel because I don't understand everything A to Z about the gospel. God shows me new things all the time in his word. I listen to other men preach, and, and, and God shows me something else from scripture that I'm like, man, how have I been reading scripture my whole life and not grasp that truth? And so I wanted to be an encouragement to you today. Let me just say, if you do have doubts and you do have confusion, we are an open church. We love doubters. We love skeptics. We love people that are confused about what they believe. We love that. We welcome that. We encourage that. We will, we, will, we will lead you lovingly and patiently as you begin or you continue your journey in understanding what Jesus Christ did for you. That's where we're at. So I wanted to clarify that just by way of introduction uh, today. And if you have any questions about that, please see myself or one of the elders afterwards, and we can help walk you through that. A little bit today is going to be review from last week, but I'll be honest with you. I was texting someone as I was studying, and I believe it was last week and this week that I texted them, and I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of the first part of Ephesians chapter 2. And um, I, want to, I, I want us to understand, and I want us to grasp, and if I didn't think that the truth that we're going to get to today is that important, then I wouldn't do this. I believe it is that important. It's a truth that truthfully, a truth that truthfully changed my life. Um, as a result. And so I want to kind of give that to you today. Number one, and this is going to be a little bit a review, and that's okay. It's all good. Repetition is the key to learning. Y'all probably forgot what we talked about last week anyway. All right, so number one, here we go. Just to remind you, number one, Jesus has regenerated those that are dead in sin. Jesus has regenerated, verse one of chapter two, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That word simply means brought to life or made alive verse 5 even when we were dead in sins hath quickened or brought us to life or made us alive together with christ by grace are ye saved the word regeneration is the word that i want to focus on today and that word comes from a transliterated word uh, palingenesia. I'm not going to try to act like I know how to say it, right? Could be palingenesia. I don't know. But this comes from two words, palin, P-A-L-I-N, and then genesis. And the word palin simply means again, and the word genesis simply means birth. So quite literally, regeneration means the again birth. Let's put it down biblically. It means born Again, how many of you have ever heard that term before? Raise your hand. If you ain't got your hand, raise your line. All right, born again. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Um, it's up on, is it up on the screen? Oh, yeah. Um, in, my, in my Bible, oh, yeah, I love this. In my Bible, it's because it's not capitalized here, so I can teach you a lesson. In my Bible, that word seed is a capital Yes, all right, so to, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say to uh, seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. What a Sunday. 
for the kids to be in here. It's all good. The Greek word here for seed, man, this is great, is sperma. All right, that's the Greek word for, spe- for seed here. That is what the word means in its true form. It means exactly what you think it would mean. That word literally means that which possesses vital force or life-giving power. When Jesus made, took us from death to life, when he regenerated, when he born us again, that's a horrible grammar, grammatical statement, but when we were born again from death to life, we were given the seed Jesus, that is a new creation, Jesus has given us his holy, unblemished, righteous, pure seed, we are a brand new creation. If you remember last week, we weren't a bad creation that he's making better. Okay? We were not a struggling creation that he's trying to help along the way. No, we were a dead creation that he is making alive. That is regeneration this morning. That same theme is carried in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. The first seven verses, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time? Uh, into his mother's womb and be born. That, that sounds like a teenage boy answer, right? What do you mean I must be born again? Can I get back in my mother's womb and be reborn? You know, that's, that sounded like me at like 15. But Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water, physical birth, and the spirit, spiritual birth, regeneration, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, physical birth, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, spiritual birth, is spirit, spiritual. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. And that phrase, born again, is the exact word regeneration. Regeneration. Everyone We have all had a flesh birth, whether naturally or through cesarean, or we all have had a flesh birth, but only those of us who are in Christ have that second birth, born again, the word is regeneration. And that's where grace makes our dead hearts and our dead spirits come alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 2, I'm sorry, Titus chapter 3 Verse 3, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration. There's the word and renewing of the Holy Spirit to be made alive, regened, regeneration, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I just wanted to reinforce with Scripture today what we somewhat talked about last week, and that that was when you got saved, it was a dead person that came alive. It was not a... 
a, a difficult person getting easier. It was a dead person coming alive. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. I love the song we sang this morning. Your love awakens me, quickens me. It makes me alive. That's what the love of Christ does and the gospel does. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see this. Number two, so number one, Jesus has regenerated those dead in sin. Number two, this morning, Jesus has regenerated us out of a life of sin. Jesus has regenerated us out of a life of sin. Look at verse two there in our text in Ephesians chapter two. Verse two, wherein in time past you walked according in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he hath loved us. When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. We have been given a new nature. We have been given a new nature. A, probably the most popular passage of scripture of this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It simply says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new Creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The verse does not say if anyone is in Christ, he acts like a new creation. No, it says that he is a new creation. We are a new creature. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 For we, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Why do we need to believe the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ? Because our old man, our old sinful nature, was killed and was buried. And we rose again in victory just as Jesus Christ rose. That is the gospel. That the body of sin might not, may, might not be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. Pastor Josh, do you believe in sinless perfection? I do not believe in sinless perfection. I do not believe that once we are saved that we no longer sin. I do not believe that. I don't, I don't think Scripture uh, teaches that. I will say this. I believe that as Christians that we are given what's called sinful, sinless provision. I will say that. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God and the new life that we have in Christ, we have the ability, if we were completely and totally surrendered, which we're about to get to, we have the ability to say no to every single sin that comes in our lives. But the reality is, we have our flesh. And that ain't no one of us ever done that and never will. But we have the power through Christ, but we just won't. You were once sinners, our old man, but now you are a saint. You once lived with your sinful nature, and now you live with a new nature. And so the question arises, does that mean that we're not going to sin after we get saved? What about our sin after salvation? This is what I wanted to teach you today. This is where I wanted to get today. Anybody ever thought about that and had that question? Hey, how come I'm saved and I'm still sinning? Hey, how come I'm saved 
and I'm struggling with this and this and this. How many would raise your hand this morning and say, I've thought about that. How come I'm saved and I've trusted Christ, but I'm struggling with sin? I've been there. I definitely have been there. You read verses of Scripture in the Bible, and sometimes, especially when you isolate like one or two verses by themselves, you're like, hold up. The Bible says this. Wait, that ain't me. Like, I'm not, I, I mean, the Bible says this, that, that we, just a second, let me get back to it, that uh, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Man, I feel like a slave of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Boy, I don't feel like I'm freed from sin right now. I've been there. I've been there. I want to talk a little bit about sin after salvation. I want to give you a visual graphic diagram this morning that I believe will help you understand and me understand. The first one is simply this. This is us before we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. We have our old man, the old nature, we have our soul, we have our body. I'm not here to debate, is it inner man, outer man, is it body, soul, spirit? I'm not here to debate that. Jesus loves you. You can debate, I've had people that want to debate stuff all the time. It's not what we're here to debate. This is us in a nutshell, actually in a circle here. This is us in a circle before we are saved. And we have something in our lives that's totally affecting us all the time that is always creeping in and always trying to take over our lives, uh, when, especially when we're unsaved, and that's this next one. That's called sin. Sin. Before we are saved, before we are regenerated, before we are made alive in Christ, this is what our life looks like. Sin is entering, and sin has taken over our bodies and has influence in our bodies, and sin has taken over our soul and has influence in our soul, and sin has taken over our nature. Sin is who we are. In sin, we were conceived. Sinful is who we are before Christ. Does everyone understand that? I know this is kind of classroom teachy, but that's all good. Does that make sense to everybody? That we were sinners. Our old man is under the influence of sin. Our soul is under the influence of sin. It's headed to hell. Just to let you know. All right. And our body is under the influence of sin. Our flesh is we're doing whatever we want to do. Sin is having rain, full rain in our, in our lives. A really awesome thing happens when we are saved. And by the way, this is why I don't present the gospel as, do you want to go to heaven one day? I present the gospel a little bit differently. I, let me, I apologize. I present the gospel a little bit biblically. Not differently. Biblically, and here's why. Here's what happens at salvation. Look at the next slide. Oh, man. I don't know. If, I mean, this, this gets me. Let me explain. We no longer have our old man. We now have a new man. The Holy Spirit. Boom! He comes in. He takes over. We are no longer a sinner. We are no longer a sinner. Our identity. We are a saint. We are a joint heir with Christ. We are given the righteousness of God. That is who we are. That green represents new life. I chose yellow because our soul is going to heaven. No one can touch our soul. Our soul is heaven bound. We are on our way to heaven. Sin can't touch that. Sin can't ruin that. Sin can't do anything. However, here's the struggle of life. The flesh 
wars against the Spirit. Because sin still has access to our, our flesh. Our natural, not our natural desires, our fleshly desires. What we want. Sin still has access to that. Sin has no access to your, your, to your, your spirit. He has no access to your nature. He has no access to your soul. The devil has no access to that. But your devil has access to your flesh. He has access to your flesh. And today, let me tell you where we live. We live on that outer gray part of the circle. Right there where the red is coming over and it's forming like a little pink right there. That's where we live. We live right there in that rub between our bodies and sin. Between our flesh and sin. And what the Spirit wants to do in us. Is there one more? Oh, man. Forgot. I left it on my computer. It's all good. The next one was simply going to be this. What we do in life is there's an arrow. And that arrow is going this direction. As a Christian, our job is to just continue being, the word in the Bible is perfected, maturing, moving further out of sin, moving closer to the Savior. That is the Christian life in a nutshell. So Josh, what's our relationship to sin after we're saved? Well, sin cannot get our natures. We now have a new nature. And by the way, some of y'all that grew up in like, um, uh, churches that wanted to put you down and stuff when you got saved you became a you became a joint heir with with christ every blessing that was given to christ is given to you Woo! that changed me you have a new nature now your soul is going to heaven your soul is forever safe and secure john chapter 10 and verse 30 it's in jesus's hand and it's in the father's hand and no man can pluck them out of my hand but our sin affects our flesh and our bodies. And from now until the day that we leave this earth, there's going to be a, a tension and a rub between what our flesh wants to do and what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do inside of us. Steve McVeigh, not Timothy McVeigh, uh, Steve McVeigh, and it, only the people like my age and older would understand that, Steve McVeigh in his book, Grace Walk, says it this way, Christian, you are no longer a sinner saved by grace, but you are now a saint who struggles with sin. That makes a big difference. Your identity before Jesus was sinner. Your identity after Jesus is saint. Saint. He adds saved by grace there. Don't let that mess with you. He's kind of... He's trying to get us to get out of that mindset. You are now a saint who struggles with sin. You are no longer a sinner. You are an heir of eternal life with Christ. Looking back at that passage in Titus chapter 3 that we were just out a bit ago, not by works, verse 5, of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration... And renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You are no longer a sinner, 
you are an heir of eternal life. So let me take it one step deeper. Is that okay? Is everybody good? Everybody good? All right, cool. That graphic makes sense to everybody? Talk to me afterwards if it didn't. I'm here to help and love. All right? Let's take it one little step deeper. And you're going to say, Josh, you're being a little petty. And I will say, you're probably right. But this truth right here, I'm just going to tell you, personally transformed me. Okay? If you've grown up at church or you've been around preaching at all, you may have heard this exact illustration. In your life, you have two dogs. One dog is your old nature, and one dog is your new nature. And those natures are fighting each other all the time. The old nature and the new. Anybody ever heard this illustration before? All right, come on. All right, good. You got to, I was about to say, because I mean, someone did this and put it on the internet, and then pastors, I guess, found it all, because I've heard it like five different people. So it's all good. But they say something like, you have, the, you have two dogs. One of your dogs is your old nature. One of your dogs is your new nature. And they're fighting all the time. And they say this, the dog that you feed the most wins. The dog that you feed the most wins. And I'm like, I understand the logic. I get it. But what you're telling me is, in my life, I have my unsaved self, the old man, and I have my saved self, the new man, and my unsaved self and my, and my saved self are fighting within me. Good Josh, bad Josh. And whichever one I feed wins. So if I feed bad Josh, unsaved Josh, look what we're training ourselves to think. If I feed unsaved Josh, unsaved Josh is going to gradually take over Josh's life. You say, that's a little petty. Here's the difference. I'm going to change one thing in this illustration. I'm going to say that we do have two dogs in our life. And what, here's what the Bible tells us those two dogs are. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the flesh. Who I am in Christ is the Spirit. Nothing can change that. Nothing can ever change that. And yes, I have my flesh. And yes, if I feed my flesh, the flesh will war against my spirit. And yes, when the flesh wars against the spirit, if that flesh is being fed all the time, man, it's going to be powerful. But it can never change my identity in Christ. Because my new nature is here. And my old nature has been crucified as a christian pet peeve right here as a christian you can no longer excuse your sin by saying that's just who i am or that's just how my mama acts that's how my daddy was and so that's the way i am no 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 when you trusted jesus christ you became a new person and no longer can you look at your sin and go oh that's just the way i am no 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 you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. You've been given a new nature. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. And so here's, here's what changed my life. Here's what changed my life. When I sin, I can no longer lean on the crutch of that's just the way I am. No, when I sin, I look at it and go, that's me. That's, I'm not acting like myself. That is not who I am. Hey, you said that. That is not who you are. You're a child of God. That is no longer who you are. 
Hey, you responded to your wife that way and you spouted off. No, no, no. That is no longer who you are. You are acting in your flesh. You are acting as if Jesus is not your Savior. My, my relationship to my sin is no longer, okay, I sin, that's just who I am, and I'm going to walk with that crutch the rest of my life. No, no, no. My, now my view of sin is, it's in my life, I hate it, but that's not who I am. And when I say those things I shouldn't say, that's not me. That is not me. That's the, that's the old me. That's the crucified me. That's no longer me. It changed radically my outlook. It changed everything. Simply put, when you sin as a Christian, you are no longer acting like yourself. You're acting like a sinner. And you're not a sinner anymore. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. You are a saint. And our war is simply between our spirit, spiritually, and our flesh, physically. That is the war of life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, capital S, and the capital S Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of you fighting your flesh. That's why you have verses in the Bible that say yield to the Spirit. That's why you have verses in the Bible that say be filled with the Spirit. Listen, folks, it changed my, excuse me, changed my outlook on my sin. Because when we are regenerated, we are regenerated out of a life of sin. We are given access to the Holy Spirit that will fight our flesh. If you can take one thing from this point of the message, would you take that you can no longer look at your sin and go, that's just who I am. I mean, whenever the pressure comes in life, I just cave and I do this and I do that. That's just who I am. Poor me. Can we change? Can we change our thought process? Can we say, hey, listen, when life does that to me again, this is what I want to do in my flesh, but that's no longer who I am. Jesus called me to be more. Jesus called me to be greater. Even Most importantly, Jesus gave me the power to be more and the power to be greater through the Holy Spirit. And this is who I will be. And every time I sin, I'm like, Josh, I want to smack myself. I, don't, I won't do it this morning. Josh, stop it. That's not who you are. That is not, you're not acting like yourself. You're not acting like yourself. Because Jesus offers us regeneration out of a life of sin. Simply a preview of the next time we're in this series. Thirdly, and we're done, Jesus offers regeneration to anyone by grace and through faith. Possibly the, some, two of the most popular verses of Scripture. Verses 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. A simple preview of our next sermon. Do you want this life where sin, as the diagram showed, is not covering your entire nature and your soul and your body? Do you want this spirit-led 
life? Are you tired of living for your own selfish, sinful desires with no hope for eternity? Your soul forever doomed to a place called hell. Are you tired of living that way? If so, I want to invite you into a relationship. A relationship of hope, a relationship of love, a relationship of grace, a relationship that will truly change your life from today until eternity. That is what verses 8 and 9 in this passage offers you. God offers us grace. And grace is undeserved. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. It's grace. Grace. He has given us grace. And this morning, grace has a name. And grace, the name of Jesus. Grace. He's offered us grace. And will you this morning, by faith, believe that Jesus is who He said He was? Will you believe the Gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures? Would you believe the Gospel this morning? He died, He was buried, and He rose again to change you from the inside out. Old man, sinful nature, new man, Holy Spirit. Old soul on its way to hell, new soul on its way to heaven. Old soul completely engulfed in sin. Flesh, our old flesh, our new flesh, we've got a warring partner. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Could I invite you today if you have never trusted Christ? It says, for by grace are you saved. What's the activator of that grace? Through faith. Faith is not a righteous act. Faith is not even a work on your part. Faith is a heart surrender. What activates grace in your life? Faith. Faith. Would you this morning have the faith to believe in Jesus? That he is who he said he was, a perfect, the perfect sinless son of God. Remember C.S. Lewis? Jesus is either liar, Lord, or lunatic. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was, perfect, sinless, born of a virgin. We believe, we believe who we are and were, sinners, born in sin, struggling with sin. No hope for eternity. No matter how good we try to act, it's never good enough. We believe who He is, we believe who we are, and we believe what He did for us. By grace, came, died on that cross, and offered eternal, everlasting life. Beginning right now. Changing your old nature to your new nature. Changing your old soul to your new soul. Hey, and giving you an amazing partner, the Holy Spirit, to fight sin and fight the flesh this morning your choice is simple it's heaven or it's hell it's light or it's darkness it's spirit led or it's flesh and old nature 
This morning, it's your choice. Jesus offers you salvation. The devil offers you complete control of your own life and your own destiny. And let's be honest. Every time we're in complete control of our own life and our own destiny, no matter how good we think we are, we screw it up. We screw it up every time. Christian, struggling with sin, always falling back on that crutch. Oh, you know, my dad was an addict. My dad was a heavy drinker. My dad was abused alcohol. He was an alcoholic. You know what? I guess that's just who I'm going to be. That's just who I am. I've just got, it's in my genes. Oh, you know what? My dad was always very aggressive with us as kids. He always disciplined us out of anger. And he, he always said things he shouldn't say. You know what? That's just who I am. I just got it straight from my father. Hey, you know, my mom, every time this happened in her life, my mom always shut down and went into this mode. And you know what? That's just me. That's just who I am. Hey, Christian, can we, can we think differently? Can we no longer use the pathetic crutch of I'm just, that's just who I am when it's not who we are? The song we sing, we sang it about a month ago. I am not who I think I am. I am who he says I am. That's who we are. That's who we are. If you've never believed in Jesus, we've, we've made it as clear as possible today. Hey, Christian, struggling with sin, maybe today can be your breakthrough. Maybe today can be the day where you take that step and you go, okay, I get it now. I understand now. I'm still going to sin and struggle with sin. But every time I do, I'm going to acknowledge and understand that's not really me. That's not really me. I have the power through the Holy Spirit to fight through that and overcome that. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.